Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. And even though he's like, oh, do you want to be friends? No, I really don't. And then he heard that I was getting a divorce and he's like, oh, I was wondering if, you know, if we could get maybe give it another try. I'm like, with all due respect, that would be the hardest of passes for me. Oh, you've just been like so successful and like, wow, you really made something of yourself. Well, yeah, I did. And every time you told me that I couldn't, I want to thank you so much for telling me that I couldn't. Thank you so much for telling me that I was too stupid and too naive and that I couldn't do it because fuck you, watch me. That's why. So thank you. Thank you so much. He apologized to me and asked me for forgiveness. And I had actually given it freely years prior because I realized just in a lot of like solo thought, the only way I was going to heal is if I was able to process what happened to me from a less egocentric place. So like, you know, egocentric, people always think of that word as in, oh, look at me. I'm so great, blah, blah, blah. But no, sometimes it's just the great I am, you know, I'm the victim. I'm like been put upon. I was hit. I was this and I, 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 that's egocentric as well. When I took myself out of it and I started looking at him with empathy and I was like, oh, he would have abused anyone in that situation because he's so broken. And shoot, he's got some really big skeletons in his closet. None of this excuses what he did, but it explains it. And it actually means that it really had very little to do with me, if anything at all. Wasn't personal. And that really sucked. And it revealed the fighter within me because I don't think I would have seen all of this stuff inside of me if he hadn't put me through the seventh circle of hell. I don't think I would have fought so hard for my independence if everything was always easy, you know? So not only did I forgive him shortly thereafter, but I chose much like I came to do with my ex-husband to look at him with love and grace and just offer him nothing but good things. I mean, so many people would argue, well, like, well, fuck him. He doesn't deserve it. Do any of us really? Probably not. We've all done shitty stuff. And some of us have some really dark parts of who we are. But the reality is the actions that he chose to visit upon me were the actions of a very um, sick person, a very damaged, broken person who, you know, 20 years ago, no way, no way would have he been capable of seeing that tears are okay, that expressing hurt is okay, um, going to therapy. Oh my God, God forbid. You know, I know about the instances and the things that shaped him into who he was. He did talk occasionally about some of the things that had traumatized him. And it really gave me a lot of insight because I've always just been like curious, like, oh, well, what happened here? And what happened with that? And the thing is like any victim of domestic violence will tell you the abuser is not a monster all the time. They're a monster some of the time, but the rest of the time, they're just a nice, normal person that just talks and makes you feel like things are actually going to be okay. And that's what sucks you in. So, you know, depersonalizing it, making it less egocentric, forgiving, offering lots and lots of empathy and healing for him. I, I mean, shoot, I remember even praying for his well-being, you know, and just being like, you know, God, I'm really in a bad place here. And I'm really like damaged and messed up from what just happened to me, but I think he's worse off. God, please help him. You know, sometimes still he even makes it into my prayers. I just hope he's okay. Cause 
The man is a, a mess on two legs. I don't think he's ever touched anything and have it not be set on fire. You know, it's, I mean, he's got a trail of destruction behind him. Like, uh, what an interesting relationship. But, you know, I would be hard pressed to look back on it with any level of regret because I was able to see so much of humanity and so much about myself because of everything that the situation revealed. Not that he's so great, to be clear, he's not. But the lessons that God gives us, if we choose not to learn them, we're doomed to repeat them. But if we see them and can actually pull the lesson out the first time, we can see what we needed to see. And what I needed to see is that I'm a tough little bugger and you can't kick me down. And I needed to see that I have an incredible forgiveness capacity and that I can empathize. So while I forgive everybody from high school for shitting on me, I don't mean, I don't need to invite them back into my life. I forgive them. I wish them all love and lots of distance. Goodbye. Same thing with this guy. Like I wish him love and lots of distance. Never call me ever. Thank you. And I think sometimes we get confused and think that forgive and forget means oh, it's cool. You're free to do it again. Forgive and forget is more for the forgiver. You know, forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. You know, I wrote about that in my book. Like forgiveness is one of the most amazing things that you do for you. If you screw up, you should forgive yourself. If someone else screws up against you, you should forgive them because that just means you are setting down the pain and you are not weakening yourself by carrying something so heavy anymore. That's all it means. Wow. There's so many good points that I can pick out of there. One of the things that stuck out to me was, you know, when you were like, when, excuse me, when you're talking about forgiveness and forgiving anybody, does anybody for, you know, deserve forgiveness? And, you know, in not that, you know, a lot of the podcast revolves around religion, but, you know, when you look at religion in the Bible, God says that all sins are equal. It doesn't matter what you do. It's all equal. So, If you would forgive somebody for this, you should really look into being able to forgive somebody for something else when, you know, at any point in time, you could be judged for anything that you did in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all can. And I think we become better people when we set down these heavy burdens. Yeah. Because then we can focus on other stuff. Exactly. Um, So I want to shift into a little bit of what you're doing today, but we need to kind of go through that journey of... How did you decide that this was the path you were going to take? You were going to start helping other people find happiness when, you know, it probably took you a long time to, it took, it took a lot of us a long time to find that happiness for ourselves. And then you just turn right around and you're like, all right, well, let's do it for everybody else. So I spent uh, a lot of time trying to build a business empire and trying to chase that happiness I just always did it for the wrong reasons. I was always chasing money and, you know, like the thrill of going on vacation and buying stuff and, you know, a lot of superficial things because that's what I thought the happiness was just surfing from one wave crest to another from high to high, because at the end of the day, you know, anyone who, anyone who has ever achieved anything in their lives will tell you they got an emotional high from it. But what happens with the high? It wears off, you know, best drugs of your life, the best alcohol of your life, the best sex of your life, the best anything of your life. It all wears off. So when you are left, where's your baseline? My baseline was pretty low. A scale of one to 10, my, my normal was about a three to a four, you know, just, eh, I was okay. And I just lived for vacations and trying to get away from my life. And I hated what I did, you know, as proud as I am of my company and my accomplishments, 
I didn't approach things for years with the right mentality. And it just, it came to me, you know, it's just all a great cost, you know, all the success that I achieved. I won lots of awards and I won lots of business and I made lots of money and I did all the things, but I didn't do so from a place of joy or fun or love. I just, I was always chasing those things because I actually didn't know what the hell they were. So then I had retired, you know, I spent a long time trying to get things together with my successor who made it possible for me to quit slash get fired for once and be really happy about it. I was stoked. <laughs> yes, I'm fired. Finally. <laughs> First time in 19 years. So yeah, I had a lot, a lot to think about when I got to the finish line because I retired and I just felt like crap because all I had left was just my baseline. I was like, oh God. So I thought I'd retire and like suddenly I'm like, you know, on a white horse riding off into the sunset. I'm all happy now. I thought happiness was a place was a destination. As it turns out, it's not. So I just got to the finish line. I was like, okay, well, I don't know what it is. And I most certainly don't know how to actually achieve it. So I just started looking for the answers without getting into the whole boring story of research, because that's not sexy. Suffice it to say, I found the answers after a considerable amount of research, study, and um, experimentation. And I managed to change my own life massively massively. And like my baseline became like at my, on, like on a bad day of like a six on a good day, like a nine. I was like, what? You mean a different baseline is a thing? What? Like happiness can just mean like my way of being. It's not just like a thing I get to experience when I'm on an airplane to go someplace with palm trees. What? That was pretty epic to figure that out. And the best part is happiness is free. It's something we can create in ourselves, but I just needed to know the way and I'd read so many books that let me down before and I wanted to know like, okay, well, if all these things didn't work, then then what's the thing that does? So figured it out, changed my life and it was in such a big way and I was so obnoxiously happy all the time and like doing big stuff and like just being that annoying part person that's like, oh my God, I changed my life. Can I tell you everything? Oh my God. Like, I just felt like I had, you know, discovered King Tut's like grave or something. I just, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about happiness. It's very contagious. When you finally figure out what it means to be truly happy at your baseline and just be a constitutionally happy person instead of just living from happy moment to moment, and you just do stuff differently and you just want nothing more than to share the happiness with other people, you know, because you realize how good it feels and you want to have other awesome, happy people to hang out with. And it's like, you know what? I love you. You're a slightly depressed. Come with me. Let me show you the way. Let's be happy together. We'll have more things to talk about, you know? So I actually wrote the book specifically to share it with people. And then because I had studied a uh, habit formations. I had made a 90 day habit mastery program originally for me because I had studied habit formation and, you know, my stubborn self wanted to be successful anyway. And I, yeah, I just really needed people to be able to accessibly get the the destination, you know, underway. It's so great to like learn about stuff. You know, you read a book. How many times have you read a book or listened to an amazing book on Audible? And you're like, that's amazing. What's the next one? Versus like implementation and actually changing your life with the stuff that you learned. Well, I wanted to take the book from just like a flat thing that doesn't do anything other than just impart some neat stories and entertain you and turn it into something that can actually be fundamentally life-changing. And, and here's the crazy part, like the, the stuff, oh, 
this is actually the part that pissed me off the most, all the stuff that it takes to make you happy. It's sitting under all of our noses right now. We already know how to do a lot of it. We just don't do it because we don't have sufficient inspiration or pathways to learn how to do it reliably. So yeah, you bet. I am definitely on a mission to share this with as many people. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. So let's get into a little bit of that. So I know you wrote a book prior to the one that you have out now, but mm-hmm. the one, no, it's the other way around. No, I have one book. Oh, okay. There's another person with your name out there. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I was like, oh, look at that. Another book. I can't wait to read this one too. All right. (laughs) Look at me. I'm I'm so omnipresent. Wow. (laughs) Just books just appear. (laughs) Um, Cool. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into these habits that you figured out and then decided to share with the world. I mean, there are so many habits out there, right? There are, you know, all of these different things that you can do to grow your business, you know, live a happier life. How did you settle on the six that you have put in your book? Okay. So the things that are in my book, they're all mental habits and they're actually all the formation of, you know, like they're the six ingredients to a happy constitution, basically. So if you like, take a look at somebody who does happy things, right? They're going to have these habits. Do me a favor, just for sake of argument, think of three things that you see people doing all the time. Tell me what they are. Walking, breathing, and... Uh, <laughs> um you're failing the pop quiz. I am. I really am. <laughs> I sit in my bubble at home. I don't leave. No. <laughs> I haven't seen people in a year. <laughs> Shopping, I guess, would be another one people do all the time. I don't know. Sure. Okay. So <laughs> let's just pick on walking and shopping, right? If those are things that pe- you know you assert that make people happy, it's not that they do it. It's why they do it. That's basically the whole premise of the book. It's not... It's not that you do yoga. It's not that you eat your veggies, though you should. It's not that you floss. It's not that you go to the gym. It's not that you do any of these things. Breathing is a bit automatic. So yes, every person that's happy is breathing. Also, every person's unhappy is breathing. So no, that's not a good one, but that's funny. <laughs> I missed the I blank too. Part. I heard, I, I thought I heard you just ask, what do you see people, just people doing on a daily basis? And I was like, breathing? No. <laughs> I missed How the- about now that I've given you more context? You can see it would be like things like, you know, yoga, meditation, yeah. like, you know, affirmations or even like, you know, going after their goals and whatever. Happy people typically do a lot of the same stuff as other happy people. But the point is, it's not the stuff you do. It's why you do it. Yeah. What's the thing that makes you go to yoga? What's the thing that makes you eat your veggies? What's the thing that makes you floss? You know, why would you do those things? It's really your, about your relationship with yourself and with life. And the six habits that are outlined in the book are all mental habits. Mental habits are basically the habits that govern how you interact with your life, you know? So let's pick on the I, I so want to pick on you for this breathing thing. It's very funny. Let's use the flossing one. So let's say, um, you know, you take a look at somebody who flosses regularly, right? Why would you want to breathe regularly? <laughs> it's not entirely up to you, but flossing's a choice. You have some choice, right? Like blinking. You don't really have a choice. It's just kind of involuntary. I'm never going to forget this about you. I want you to know that. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> so the thing about flossing is, again, it's not, you know, that you floss. You, of course, you know, only floss the teeth you want to keep. It's kind of like the dentist-like mantra, right? But like, why does the person floss? Well, it's because they're taking care of themselves. Why would someone take care of themselves? It's because they respect themselves. It's because they have perhaps just a little bit more self-love than the person next to them who doesn't love themselves as much. It's because the person who flosses believes that their teeth are worth keeping. They believe that their smile is worth something. They believe that they have value. They believe that taking care of their body has a purpose, right? And why do you believe those things? It's because you believe that you have purpose. And when you believe that you have purpose, it says a lot about how you feel about yourself, right? You're more inclined to say that people who love themselves tend to floss more than people who don't, right? One could probably safely conclude that, right? Yeah. So using that poorly constructed scientific argument that I've just made, we could basically take a look at all the things, you know, that any of us do that actually bring us joy and happiness and really put it through that lens. You know, why do we write down, why do we write down affirmations? Why do we say nice things to ourselves in the mirror? It's because we care for ourselves, you know, the habit is the caring for ourselves. It's the habit of routinely treating ourselves with kindness and courtesy and, and respect. It's the habit of thinking that we're actually worth something. It's the habit of like going after our dreams because we actually believe they're worth pursuing and that we're capable of going after them. So the six habits are all mental habits. And the crazy part is we already have differing levels of ability in them now. We just have to get to a level of mastery and live there versus just accidentally do these things occasionally. So have you ever once in your life looked in the mirror and called yourself a name that was negative? Yeah. Same. That's not being kind. Now, have you ever looked in the mirror and said something really nice to yourself? Yeah. Okay. That's being kind to yourself. And that's the first habit. So you're already aware of what it looks like to be unkind and to be kind. The thing is, most of us tend to live and exhibit the negative behavior 85% of the time. But if you can get yourself to a place of having the default reaction when you look in the mirror, it's nothing but love love all the time. You always look in the mirror and you're like, damn, you a sexy bitch, you know, like it's just good things. That's that's the place where we need to be. It, like, it's not just like, oh, I need to look in the mirror and say nice things to myself. No, it needs to be your default. That when you look in the mirror, it doesn't even occur to you to say something nasty. You look in the mirror and you're like, oh, duh, why would I ever be mean to myself? I'm awesome. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And it's literally just as simple as that, you know, but it's hard to do after a lifetime of saying mean crap to yourself. And then maybe on one day being super kind the next day, not being kind at all. And then just constantly vacillating because you're not paying attention to this one specific behavior. Yeah. When people don't pay attention, you don't realize the habits you're forming. You know, we, we all probably have habits that we don't realize that we have. My husband has a really nice habit of every time he has hot coffee, he slurps it. You know, it's horrible for me to witness, but it is a habit nonetheless. Okay. And I get to listen to it. I'm like, sweetheart, I don't know how I'm going to spell that, but that shit's going on your tombstone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's like, what does he do? <sighs> Every freaking sip. It's a habit. <laughs> now he's he so does... good. His soul just had to speak. <laughs> I don't care. Go die in a trash fire. Stop it. <laughs> Okay. But like, that's a habit. Annoying as it is, it's a habit. Right. And he doesn't, he didn't even realize that he did this. Didn't even realize like, until I said to him, I was like, sweetie, you do this with every sip of every cup, every day, every month, 
eye is twitching. He's like, I do? Yes! Okay. Now, if you have a little version of someone else in your head being like, hi, do you realize that you say mean shit every single time you look in the mirror or every time you wear those pants? Do you realize that? And it's annoying. You should stop. Okay. So lesson here is you just need a tiny wife inside your head that's telling you to stop slurping your coffee. No, not really. That's not the lesson. We just need the self-awareness to realize, oh my God, this is actually not great at all. You know? So since I've made my husband aware of this wonderful habit of his, he's doubled down on it. And I'm so grateful. (laughs) But when I made myself aware of my unkind behaviors to myself, I started seeing them everywhere. Oh my God, I'm so unkind to myself in business. I treat myself like crap. I'm constantly discouraging myself here. And oh my goodness, I'm constantly doing it here. I look in the mirror. I'm constantly like pointing out wrinkles and fat pockets and this and that. Why am I doing this? It's making me feel terrible. And it also doesn't make me feel like I can go after anything that matters to me. It doesn't make me feel like I'm worthy of asking for things I need in my relationship. It doesn't make me feel anything other than like shit, which is the intended effect. So once I had this moment, I was like, well, that's stupid. How do I stop? You have to start living forcefully in the habit you want to acquire. It's the same thing with any habit. You want to acquire the habit. You just have to do it a lot until you get good at it and you don't have to think about it anymore. Because like a default action is just something that's, you know, thoughtless. It just happens. You know, they call it autopilot. Hmm? Like breathing. Yes, exactly like breathing. So yes, happy people are breathing. That is the revelation you turned in for. Yes. I had, I mean, you just, you set it up. I just. I did. I opened the door and you walked through. Yes. Had to. Yes. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O thriving ATL, or online at 2thriving.org.